from the heart of our nation's capital. This is Washington Watch Weekend Edition. Now, here's your host, David Salkeld. This week on the Weekend Edition of Washington Watch, reclaiming women in the culture, holding the government accountable, and more spying in the United States. Greetings, fellow patriots. I am David Salkeld, and I'm a constitutional conservative, Christian husband, and Reagan Republican. As the LGBTQ community continues to try to destroy every vestige of common sense in this country, we're starting to see sparks of resistance, whether it's female athletes like Riley Gaines or women's sports bills in a variety of states. And there's also a women's sports bill in the House of Representatives. Joining Family Research Council President Tony Perkins on Wednesday to talk about it was Representative Mary Miller of Illinois. Congresswoman Miller, welcome back to the program. It's always great to be here. And I just thank you for bringing light into the darkness. And one of the problems in our country is nature abhors a vacuum. And I think people have been passive about speaking the truth. And I just thank you for giving this platform to myself and to other uh, members of Congress to let people know what's going on here and how we're fighting back. Well, and and Right back at you. I want to thank you for having the boldness and the courage to stand up. And in a moment, I want to get to what you did on the House floor last night, which I think every Christian in America should be encouraged to know that there are men and women of deep, abiding faith here in our nation's capital, and they're not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to go first. Tomorrow, there will be a vote in the House on a bill that protects women and girls in sports so that they can have fair competition, but it goes beyond that to protect them in the locker rooms and every place else. Why is this legislation so necessary? Well, we're pushing back against this evil, and we're going to put the Democrats on record that they do not support protecting our daughters, that they're actually canceling girls and women. Title IX, the intent of Title IX was to give girls and women opportunities in athletics and and to get scholarships. And, um, you know, this is outrageous. So, you know, I support the principle that schools should be allowed to reflect the values of the communities where they are. And now they're trying to just push this from D.C. on the entire country. They're on the wrong side of the issue, and Americans as a whole do not support this. Congresswoman, I'm going to get you to respond to the statement of administration uh, administration policy that was put out by the White House two days ago on this bill, H.R. 734. And in their statement, this is what they said, uh, pointing the finger at Republicans in the House. Instead of addressing the pressing issues that families and students face today, such as raising teacher pay, keeping guns out of school, addressing the mental health crisis of our youth, and helping students learn and recover academically from unprecedented disruptions. Congressional Republicans have instead chosen to prioritize policies that discriminate against children." End quote. Now, this makes me furious, but who started this whole thing? Who's the one that pushed this on our schools? Well, there are two fundamental things. They don't, number one, protect life. They're not protecting our girls. Um, Nobody wants boys and men in the locker rooms and showers with our girls. I mean, Riley Gaines, after she competed against um, Leah Thomas, said, you know, he disrobed in the bathroom and he's a complete 100% male. 
I mean, this is dangerous for our girls. And also it's discounting the opportunities that Title IX gave them in athletics. And this is, it's outrageous. We're going to push back. They're on the wrong side of this issue. And I'm happy to put them on record. They can vote against women. They can vote against protecting our girls. And like I say, vote against parental rights also. Let me ask you this, Mary. If the Biden administration had not trampled upon Title IX protections for women and had not pushed this even down into our elementary schools, Republicans in Congress would not be dealing with this, would they? And and even the fact that we have to vote on parental rights, this is where we are as a country. And I want to tell people, we cannot be passive any longer. Find your place in building the wall. Everybody has opportunities. Elections have consequences. This is a serious time. They're attacking the foundations of our country, which is faith and family. And um, in light of protecting our daughters and I mean, these are fundamental things, protecting our children. Right. I mean, I see this as someone breaking into your house and trying to grab your kids, and, and you take whatever you can and you start clubbing them, and, and the, uh, the attacker accuses you of being uh, too aggressive. Uh, well, and the, the Republicans are simply responding to what this administration has done. And it's a joke. People don't transgender. They are yeah. pretending to be the other sex. I mean, however the body is mutilated or however they decide to dress for the day, the bottom line is biologically you were born either with XX or XY chromosomes and you are not transgendering. Let's speak the truth. They are brainwashing our children and they think if they repeat this lie long enough that the American people are going to believe it, but we, the American people don't believe us. I thought the Democrats were the party of science. Uh, what, what happened there? All right, I want to I go to something very positive here. Last night, you led a number of your colleagues to go to the House floor in a special order to talk about faith. It's National Faith Month. And, uh, you know, it was people need to know that there are men and women who feel called by God, you're one of them, to this city to stand for truth. And yesterday on the House floor, yesterday evening, many quoted scripture, talked about the need for God. Uh, tell us about th- what took place and, and the fact that this is prevalent among many of your colleagues. Absolutely. I love to go back to my district and give people the good news that there are a lot of believers in Congress, met, elected to Congress, and we join together for mul- there's multiple opportunities for prayer meetings for our country and Bible studies before our days begin. They start usually at seven in the morning. So the congressman or woman is, you know, sacrificing to get up early and go there because it means so much to them. And, you know, if we want to see our country flourish, we need to uphold the foundations of faith and family. And it's a privilege to um, host this special order on faith. April is um, Celebrate Faith Month and our First Amendment right to exercise our faith. I was joined by multiple members who talked about the importance about how our government was founded on these principles. And Bob Good even gave us personal testimony of coming to faith in Christ. It was a great evening. It really was. And I want to thank you for uh, leading out on this, and I want to thank you for being bold in your faith and giving so many others courage to do the same. Thank you for having me.
All right. Congresswoman Mary Miller of Illinois. And by the way, I was up uh, having dinner last night with a member of Congress and prayed with them. Uh, and, and they were they wanted prayer. In fact, this is a reminder of why we need to pray. We have brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ who are serving here in our nation's capital. I talk with them every day. You hear them on this program every day. And it's a reminder to be praying for them, to uphold them, to encourage them, and, and to, to hold up their arms in this battle for truth. Because the media is not going to do it. It's not going to happen in this, it's not going to happen by the lobbyist in this city. It's going to happen because of men and women of faith all across this country. So there's reason to be encouraged, there's reason to pray, there's a reason to vote and stand for truth. All right, coming up, another congressional hearing on the Biden administration's Afghanistan withdrawal fiasco. This time from the House Oversight and Accountability Committee. We're going to be joined by one of those members, Pat Fallon, in just a moment. So stay tuned. Also, you can sign the petition supporting women's sports. Text sports to 67742. Don't go away. Are you looking for a quality news source you can trust? Look no further than the Washington Stand, Family Research Council's online news platform. The Washington Stand provides readers with free, reliable news and commentaries, all from a biblical worldview. Our reporters are based in Washington, D.C., and provide factual information on the biggest issues of the day, ranging from breaking updates on the most crucial Supreme Court decisions, stories on the most recent public education issues, the latest development in domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay well-versed on what is going on in the U.S. and around the world that impacts faith, family, and freedom. Stay in the know, be encouraged, and stand firm in the truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Men have exhaustively heard that they're excluded from voicing an opinion on abortion. However, this sentiment ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a new resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help equip men to confidently address the topic of life. Access this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the crucial role men play in protecting unborn lives. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. Thanks for joining us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, yesterday I discussed the House Homeland Security Committee's hearing on Biden's uh, botched Afghanistan withdrawal. Well, today the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, the entire committee, held their own hearing to get to the bottom of the fiasco that cost 13 service members their lives while damaging U.S. credibility globally. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Pat Fallon. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability and on the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Fallon, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, um, let's talk about today's hearing. What were some of the takeaways? Any surprises today? I really was a little bit surprised, Tony, at the forthcoming nature of the inspector general in so much as them saying that the Biden administration absolutely dragged their feet and did not cooperate with their own investigation of what happened during the disastrous Afghani withdrawal. Now, that's not a surprise that they would do that. 
it was a bit of a surprise to me that the AG came out so forcefully and called out the administration because all Joe Biden has ever wanted to do, as you know, is blame President Trump. Right. So, I mean, the evidence is very clear. This administration, this was theirs. They own this. They made the decisions. This president made the decisions. I mean, how long are they going to deny responsibility? You know, Tony, let's be honest. If you're going to withdraw from any country, it's never going to be smooth, but it doesn't need to be a debacle either. And the fact of the matter is Joe Biden made some critical errors. So let's go through them very quickly. One, he drew an arbitrary, uh, a very arbitrary line in the sand or a red line. And he did it to himself by saying that we would be out by September 11th of 2021. That made no sense for a few reasons. One, you need to you know, give yourself some flexibility. But two, this was right in the middle of fighting season in Afghanistan because of the rough terrain and the weather. They generally fight from about April to October and then they go home and they wait until the winter uh, you know, passes and then they continue to fight again, at least in large scale um, uh, measure. Well, Joe Biden did do that. He withdrew in the middle of fighting season. He redlined himself. But then when he asked his military commanders, should I go from the 2,500 troop level that we have now down to 650, which the State Department wants me to do? He listened to the State Department and not the military. And what ended up happening was the military said, we can't hold Bagram and Kabul with 650 troops. So we left Bagram and there were 5,000 bad guys there. They all escaped because the Afghani troops couldn't uh, corral them. And one of them became a suicide bomber that murdered 13 of our service members. Right. So bottom line on this topic, uh, Congressman, American people are saying, okay, we, we know this administration is inept. Their withdrawal from Afghanistan was political. It was not uh, tactical in terms of withdrawal. It was a mistake. What's the bottom line, the takeaway? What do we learn from this and what do we do with it? We learn that you don't elect amateurs. We learn that you listen to professionals and experts and you don't withdraw. When you do withdraw from a country, you don't withdraw the military first, you withdraw them last. Now, this seems to be like very basic common sense, but clearly the Biden administration and all his the people, his the woke crowd that he surrounds himself with, did uh, the exact opposite of everything they should have done over the last six months when we pulled out. And remember, President Trump's withdrawal was conditions-based. Right. And, and Joe Biden just said, we're getting out of there by September 11th. So, so really, the, the responsibility ultimately is going to rely upon the voters to select people who know what they're doing and hold yes. those who don't accountable for what they did. All right, I want to switch topics here before we run out of time. A Senate report released this week concludes that COVID-19, the pandemic, most likely originated as a result of two separate leaks from Chinese labs. Your thoughts? Well, <laughs> when this first happened, most people said, hmm, where does the Chinese government do most of this research with uh, coronaviruses? Oh, they do it in Wuhan. And it just happened to start in Wuhan. So the lab leak theory had a lot of credibility with anybody that wanted to have their trillions of brain cells between their ears, you know, fire synapses to one another. That's first thing. But secondly, look at the actions of the Chinese Communist Party after the uh, coronavirus got out. They didn't welcome the international community in and say, hey, we don't know what this is. Please help us. If it was from a wet market, they would have had no idea what it was. And they would have said it had no reason to hide anything, much like South Africa did when the Delta variant hit. They didn't know what it was and they asked for international help. The Chinese did the exact opposite. So and now it's the, the, the our own FBI has finally come to terms with the fact that it's most likely 
that it leaked from a lab. Well, welcome to the party. We could have told you that a couple of years ago. Yeah, of course. And you had social media working in concert with uh, uh, Dr. Fauci to silence those who were raising this. Uh, they were the ones that were called uh, putting out uh, false information, misinformation. Uh, confirm this for me if you can. I'm, I'm hearing that Chinese diplomats here in our nation's capital have been seeking to put pressure to intimidate House Republicans who are conducting these investigations, trying to keep this under wraps. Is that true? Got the proof right here, Tony. This is a letter that the Chinese embassy sent, requested that we do not hold hearings on the origins of COVID. If you have nothing to hide, why would you go to these great diplomatic lengths? This just smacks. You know what this smells like? They're hiding something. It's amazing to me. This is the United States of America. I just talked about yesterday about how the Chinese had a, an outpost for their police department in New York City. And now they're trying to strong arm Republicans into being a part of the same thing that the WHO did, covered up their killing of essentially 6.8 million people worldwide. Tony, we know two things about communists. They're bullies and they lie. They lie like they breathe. So it's no surprise. And I do remember it. I hope the American people don't forget, like organizations like CNN were basically like an arm of the Chinese Communist Party. They would report whatever China said, even if it was incredibly outrageous. Like at one point, China said that they had no new cases of coronavirus in their entire country. This is when Corona, the virus was raging across the world. That clearly wasn't true. It was a lie that their Navy was when we had our ship that had about 50 coronavirus cases on a aircraft carrier, China claimed their Navy didn't have you any find cases out more of COVID. About Pat and Fallon, CNN reported it like that. That is ridiculous. We also invite you to check out our new site, You're The Washington right. Standard. It is, it's, You'll it's find news of the day the there brought to you it's, with a discreetly Christian perspective. You can find a link Congressman to the Pat Fallon, Stand always great to see you. Thanks so Tony much Perkins. for taking time to join us today and keep standing strong. Thanks, Tony. God bless you. Every year, the persecution of Christians is growing globally and becoming more aggressive. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares incredible stories from those who have faced religious persecution and reveals the tragic circumstances Christians sadly face due to hostility to their faith. The true stories of perseverance and devotion in this book provide inspiration and hope. Heroic Faiths also gives insights into the ideologies behind the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how people can best help these faithful believers. It is important for us to learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ who suffer deeply and do what we can to help them. Learn about the stories of these real heroes who have stood for their faith in difficult times. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. In October 2016, Pastor Andrew Brunson was falsely accused of terrorism and held for two years in Turkish prisons. Believers worldwide began to pray, and after two years of captivity, he was released. Since then, Andrew has felt an urgency for Christians in the West to prepare for a coming wave of hostility. To equip Christ followers, Brunson launched an eight-part video series titled Prepared to Stand. Watch this series by going to frc.org slash prepared to stand. Men have exhaustively heard that they're excluded from voicing an opinion on abortion. However, this sentiment ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a new resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. 
This resource was created to help equip men to confidently address the topic of life. Access this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the crucial role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to the weekend edition of Washington Watch. I'm David Salkeld. In a shocking development over the course of the last week, it was discovered that the Chinese government had secret police stations in New York City, attempting to control Chinese dissidents and likely spying on America in the process. Joining Tony to talk about it on Tuesday was Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. Senator Rubio, welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Uh, let me ask you this. What does yesterday's arrest of two Chinese nationals operating this illegal police station in lower Manhattan tell us about the Chinese Communist Party's ambitions? Well, I think it should tell us that they have no limits to what they're willing to do to further their agenda around the world. They don't respect boundaries and borders and other countries. So they basically had agents operating inside the United States for the purpose of harassing and in many cases trying to lure Chinese Americans back to the mainland of China, uh, where they can then uh, obviously to do whatever it is they need to do to punish them for speaking out against China, for having positions. In some cases, by the way, they're harassing people in the U.S., Chinese Americans, because of what their relatives are doing back inside of China, like we've seen with Uyghur Muslims and the like. Right. So it shows you that we've reached the stage now where they're not afraid to operate inside of our country in this manner. Does this say something about America's resolve to stand up to China? I mean, it's one thing for them to be flying a spy balloon over our country, but to be setting up these outposts of their public uh, safety, what they call their public uh, safety uh, ministry. I mean, this is pretty brazen. It is. Look, I mean, I don't know of any other precedent for it, and um, any other country has ever done that inside the United States. It says a lot as well about the perception of America and the rest of the world. I mean, they watch our newscasts. I want to be frank. They watch our society and our culture imploding from within. They see we're a country obsessed with things that aren't true, like men pretending to be women and, and all these other things. We have a president who cannot put sentences together coherently in America that is constantly beating up on itself and talking about how terrible we are. They see a great power in decline. And they think that they are now strong enough that they can challenge us in this way. It, it does speak to that, and it's, it's the reality, and one that we're going to have to do something about. Senator, uh, the Chinese defense minister, uh, Shang Fu, is in Moscow this week, strengthening ties with Vladimir Putin. Now, the Biden administration has tried to pressure Beijing, as if they were a friend, into pushing Putin to end the war in Ukraine. But it appears that they've only grown closer. Your, your thoughts on that? Well, that's right, because what's happening is the Chinese and the Russians both share a common goal, and that is they want a world that's no longer a world where America is the most powerful country. They want a, a, a multipolar world in which there is a sphere of influence that's at least equal, if not more powerful, to the U.S.-led free alliance. And they've partnered up in that regard. And whatever differences they may have had historically, they share this common goal of diminishing the U.S.'s standing in the world and increasing their own. And so you see them doing things like not just aligning with one another, but you also see them going around the world trying to undermine our existing long-term relationships. The Brazilians are now cozying up to them. The president of Brazil was there very recently. Uh, other countries that have gotten closer to China, uh, you saw the, the deals they've cut in the Middle East with the Saudis and Iran. So it, it is a direct attack on America's influence in the world and the, the goal of creating an alternative and ultimately a replacement 
to American leadership. That, that's a frightening concept uh, because it will, it will alter not just things here in the United States, but literally have uh, implications worldwide. I, I want to, we just have a couple minutes left. I want to switch topics to, to the life issue. You've been very outspoken uh, in your time in the United States Senate. You've led on the life issue and you've introduced uh, a measure called the Providing for Life Act. Uh, tell us about that. Well, I think we want to be pro-life at every stage. And so that means that if someone comes into difficult circumstances, is in difficult circumstances, and learns now that they're pregnant, we don't want that woman feeling like a child is a burden. Children should not be a burden. And so I think we have an obligation to protect and to support women who decide to carry children to term. And so that includes things, for example, like not just the assistance to them, if they may need sort of uh, um, things like child support, as an example. I mean, in many of these cases, you have fathers who are responsible for that life who decide that they're going to take off and, and it costs a lot of money uh, and a lot of effort and time. It can be exhausting for women to chase after the men who are responsible for this to do their part for supporting that child. It means helping women continue to go to school, making accommodations so they can continue their degrees at colleges and universities and not lose their financial aid because they have to take a semester off and what have you. So it's a host of things that we've come up with to be supportive of mothers who decide that we're going to carry our children to term because what, the, what we're trying to say here is irrespective of the circumstances by which that pregnancy came about, that is a human being and no human child, uh, whether they're born or still in, in, in uterus, should be considered a liability, should be considered uh, uh, something, a burden, something yeah. bad that's happened. It's a blessing. And, and Senator, you, you were reelected uh, handedly, uh, won a major reelection. There were some that were saying that the life issue was a liability to Republicans. Uh, you, it wasn't a liability for you. You spoke very clearly about it. Is it the, is the problem the Republicans are running from an issue that they have really owned for so many years? Well, I think the most important thing is to be genuine about where you stand on this issue. I, I understand that this is a conflictive issue and that there's public opinion that's divided in the country over it. And, um, and that's why it's important to point out that what the Supreme Court decided last year was that what all they decided was that elected officials at the state level could decide what your state laws are. But I've been pretty clear with people. I believe human life is worthy of the protection of our laws. I don't think that that protection goes away because you're only nine days old or nine weeks old in, in your mother's womb. I think that's a human life. That's the only thing it could become. It is a living being that is growing and developing and, and, and that deserves the protection of our life. They're the most vulnerable yeah. of all the people the most vulnerable is the unborn. They can't hire a lawyer. They can't vote. They don't have a name yet. And we should protect them and our law should protect them. And I just speak frankly about it. I've been consistent on it my whole life. It's a moral issue to me, not a political And we appreciate you for doing that. Senator Marco Rubio, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. I'm David Salkel, thanking you for being with us, and I look forward to having you back here again next week for the weekend edition of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins. Washington Watch Weekend Edition is powered by the Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.